Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class. What we're going to do, because we have a, a shorter amount of time, and also it's Rosh Chodesh, so we're not saying Tachnun, so I thought we should take a break from studying Tachnun, is we'll just have a little, a little one-off. Um, we're going to do a lot of text today, so I apologize in advance to the people who are going to listen to this later on without um, seeing the screen, but we'll, I'll do my best to describe what we're looking at. So I thought today we would talk about the peculiar Rosh Chodesh Torah reading, peculiar because it's the only one I can think of in the standard Torah reading cycle where we actually go back a verse and reread a verse that we already read. So we're going to read the Talmud passage that talks about why we do that. Okay, that's what we're going to do today. So just to set the stage for you, um, the Talmud has a number of rules about Torah reading that are all written in passages around what we're going to read today, but we don't have time to skip around and read all of these things. So I'm just going to tell you what the rules are. So the rules are, first of all, that an aliyah needs to be at least three verses. One. Number two, you're not allowed to, we'll look at the text of the Torah in a minute, but you're probably familiar with uh, the way a Sefer Torah is written. In the parchment scroll, there are some blank spaces. Um, They sort of mark what we in English would call paragraphs, loosely speaking. Uh, they're called partiot dividers. Those, those paragraphs are called partiot. And um, there's also a rule that you can't leave um, fewer than, you can't start fewer than three verses from the beginning of a parshia or parasha, nor can you leave under three verses. Okay, so in other words, you can't just, if a parsha is five psukim, you can't read one aliyah to be three psukim and then stop at the end of aliyah and leave over two. So you're never allowed to start one or two verses into a parsha. It has to be at least three. You're never allowed to end with only one or two verses in a parsha. It's got to be at least three. And every aliyah has to be three. So those are rules that it says in the Talmud around our passage. We're not going to read those rules, but just trust me, it says those things in the Talmud. Okay. And now we're going to have a brief look at our Torah reading for today. <clears throat> here's, how it, here's how it looks in the Torah. Okay. Here's how it looks in the Torah. Um, so this is uh, eight. This first section is eight verses. Everyone sees my cursor, right? Yes. Someone nod. If someone say yes, I see your cursor. Okay, good. So this first section is eight verses. Then we have two verses, and then we have five verses. Okay. How do we know that this is supposed to be the Torah reading for Rosh Chodesh? Because the Mishnah says so, and the Mishnah also says. Um, the Mishnah tells us. How many, how many aliyot we have every day? Monday, Thursday, and Mincha, we have three. Shabbat morning, we have seven. Uh, holidays, we have five. Yom Kippur, we have six. And on Rosh Chodesh, we have four. 
Okay, that's just the rule that the Mishnah says. So we need to have four aliyot, and here is our reading. We have eight verses, two verses, and five verses. So right away, you can see the problem, okay? Five verses, this could be one aliyah. That's not a problem, okay? But then we have two verses. What are we going to do with those two verses? An aliyah can't be two verses, right? It has to be at least three verses. So if I said, okay... My first paragraph, parasha, which has eight psukim, I'm going to read three psukim for the first aliyah, three psukim for the second aliyah. That's three plus three, which is six. Eight minus six is two. So that means with two psukim, I can't stop two psukim before the end. I could keep going and finish the paragraph, but uh, then I'm not going to have enough verses left for another aliyah to make it four aliyot. That's the problem. So that is the problem that our Talmud faces. So this problem is discussed in Tractate Megillah, which is about Purim and Megillah reading. And why is it there? Because Tractate Megillah talks, among other things, about the reading of Megillat Esther, the Purim scroll. And the thematic hook there is then there's a discussion about Torah, other scrolls, Torah scrolls, how we read Torah, who reads from the Torah, how many aliyot we read on what occasion. There's no tractate in the Talmud that just talks about Torah reading, uh, because there's nothing in the Mishnah, there's no tractate in the Mishnah that talks about that. So the hook, where it's sort of stuck, sometimes there are, um, I'm going to call them in air quotes, smaller subjects or subjects that don't really have a Mishnah tractate, that they get kind of stuck in another tractate. So for example, in the Dafyomi cycle or the daily reading of Talmud right now, we're reading tractate Moed Katan, which is about the laws of Chol HaMoed on Chol HaMoed, the intermediate days of Pesach and uh, Sukkot. Some malacha, some labor is forbidden and some is permitted under certain circumstances. The other time, in the Jewish calendar, when some labor is forbidden and some is permitted is also when someone is in mourning. And so the laws of Avelut are, or mourning are stuck in the tractate Moed Katan, which is mostly about Chola Moed. There's no separate tractate on the laws of mourning. So sometimes when there isn't a separate tractate on a whole subject, that subject will get stuck in next to something that it is sort of like. All right. And so Tractate Megillah, since the central mitzvah of Purim is the reading of the Megillah, which is a scroll. Then we have uh, several pages about scrolls and buying and selling Torah scrolls and uh, how Torah scrolls are written and how Torah scrolls are read, including all matter, all stuff about Aliyot and different readings on different holidays. That's why they're struck in, stuck in Tractate Megillah. Okay, so if you want to play at home, you can go to safaria.org and click on Talmud and then go to Tractate Megillah in the Talmud, page 21b. Okay, first, the Talmud quotes the line in the Mishnah that it's going to talk about. We learned in the Mishnah on Rosh Chodesh and Cholamoed, we call up for Aliyot. That's just the law in the Mishnah, okay? So now the question is, how do we get four? Ba'amine Ula, son of Rav, asked Rava, presumably his teacher, 
how do we read the Rosh Chodesh portion? Tzavet B'nai Yisrael, which is what we read today, which is that first paragraph is eight psukim. How do we do it? If you say that the first two readers, the first two aliyot, each each read three verses, then there's eight minus three minus three equals two. Then there are two verses at the end of the paragraph. And we know the rule that you cannot leave fewer than three verses at the end of a paragraph. If you say that, okay, so let's divide that paragraph up four and four. We finish the eight. But then we have the next paragraph, which is only two verses. And we can't read an aliyah that's two verses. Okay, how about if we read those two verses and then one verse of the next paragraph or two verses of the next paragraph, because the next paragraph has five. We learned that we're not allowed to read only one or two verses of a paragraph. Okay, so we're stuck with this problem of eight, two and five. Everyone, does anyone have a question about the problem? If you do, I can't see hands, so just shout it out. Okay, so eight, two, and five. Question is, how can eight, two, and five? Uh, of course, eight plus two plus five is fifteen. Four aliyot, three people each is twelve. But we have all these rules about where you can and cannot stop. Okay, you can't stop within within three psukim from the end, meaning two or one psukim from the end. You can't end an aliyah one or two psukim into a new paragraph. And you can't read an aliyah of only two lines. So we're kind of stuck. Rava, presumably his teacher said to him, I, I, I love this, by the way, Zolo Shamati. I never learned that halacha. I don't know. Kayotse ba Shamati. However, I have learned a, a, a discussion about an analogous situation. Okay. I have to explain a little bit of background about this analogous situation, and that is about the ma'amadot, or in English, they are translated as courses, C-O-U-R-S-E-S, but we would translate them as groupings. The Mishnah says that in Second Temple times, all of the Kohanim were broken up into 24 units or groups or the English is usually translated as courses. I don't know why they translate that way. 24 courses. Each group, and they each had a name, and each uh, and many of them were families. They were genetically related, genealogically related. And each group of Kohanim would go up to the temple in Jerusalem one week, and they would do the sacrifices there, and then they would go home. And they would do that twice a year. So if we have 24 courses, and each one goes for a week, that's 24 weeks, and they do it twice a year, that's 48 weeks, which is pretty close to a uh, lunar year, the Jewish year. And then there are all kinds of little odds and ends, which I'm not going to get into. Attached to each group of Kohanim, there were also Leviim. (laughs) They would come up and be the Leviim in the temple, the helpers. And attached to each group of the 24 groups of Kohanim would be Yisraelim, plain old civilian Israelites like you and me, who are not Kohanim and Levim. Those people, if they lived close to Jerusalem or in Jerusalem, they might go to the temple. They wouldn't go do sacrifices, but they would do prayers, you know, in the public area outside the temple where the non-Kohanim and non-Levim were allowed. If they lived far, 
because most of them probably lived far. And they were, you know, farmers and merchants. They couldn't go to Jerusalem for a week, twice a year. What they would do is they would gather together for presumably prayers, although we don't know exactly what they prayed, in their villages. In other words, there was a system where all of B'nai Israel and the land of Israel during second temple times, not first temple times, second temple times, according to the Mishnah, were broken up into 24 groups and twice a year for one week, each group was, I will put it in air quotes, responsible for participating in the temple service. The Kohanim who were able to go went and actually did the sacrifices. Levim who were able to go actually went and helped them. Yisraelim gathered in their towns and villages, and we would pray and read Torah as an act of, uh, let's just call it participation with our ma'amad or course. Um, so actually, technically, the groups of Kohanim are called Mishmarot, and the rest of the people who are the support team are called Ma'amadot. All right? So all the Israelites were part of a Ma'amad, all right? And we supported our Mishmar of Kohanim for one week, twice a year. This was a system that the Mishnah says um, was functional in the te- Second Temple period. How functional was it? How widespread was it historically? We don't know the answer to that, but that's what the Mishnah says. Now, every day of the weekdays, we Yisraelim in our villages who gathered and said certain prayers would read Torah every day of that week, of our week, the day of our Ma'amad. What was the laning? The laning was the first chapter of Breshit. Okay? like we read it on Simcha's Torah. On Sunday, they would read day one and day two of Reshit. On Monday, they would read day two and day three. On Tuesday, they would read day three and day four, et cetera, et cetera. Okay? Um, parenthetical comment about this. It's parenthetical. It's not in the Gemara. Why did they read Reshit? Why was that the reading that was selected? So I heard a really interesting shiur on this once from Eben Leader, who's a scholar at Hebrew College in Boston, the rabbinical school there. And he said, ancient, this is, this is a total digression, by the way. We're going to get back to the Torah reading in a minute, so I'm going to keep it short. Ancient Israelite religion, he said, like all indigen, indigenous religions, meaning religions connected to their land where they feel re- rooted, all indigenous religions basically believe their place of worship is the center of the universe and the entire universe depends on their worship. Our worship sustains the universe and is a crucial part of the running of the universe. Otherwise the universe would collapse. Okay. And we have lots of passages um, in rabbinic sources that say that sacrifice sustains the world in ancient times. The temple in Jerusalem is the center of the world, mm-hmm. the foundation stone under the Mizbeach, uh, sorry, or under the Kodesh HaKodeshim, under the Mizbeach, under the Kodesh HaKodeshim, I can't remember, um, is the Omphalos, the navel of the universe, okay? Um, and so it would not be surprising, says Eben Leader, that the laning that was read in the villages on our week was the reading about the forming of the universe. So we, 
in reading about the creation of the universe all week long, six days until Shabbat, are participating with our Kohanim and Levi'im who are going in Jerusalem to Jerusalem, who are doing the sacrificial service, which helps maintain the, uni- the universe in, in air quotes, the universe as we know it. What's the core idea of the universe as we know it? It's the second paragraph of the Shema, right? If you worship God correctly, there will be rain, there will be crops, we will eat, we will survive. If we do not worship God correctly, there will be no rain, there will be no crops, we will starve, we will not survive. Now, you might say that that is a rather myopic, myopic, myopic view of the universe. And as they say in law, I think, so stipulated. Okay, but that was the ancient Israelite view of the universe. The universe is about the system of rain and crops and what we do in our worship sustains the proper running of the universe or not. That is the theory, Rabbi Eben Leader's theory, about why we read Ma'aseb Reshit, chapter one of Genesis, during that week. Now I'm ending the parenthetical comment. Okay? And I don't want to, that would be an interesting discussion to have, but we're not going to discuss it, because if we could discuss it, we're never going to get to the text. So Rava says, I don't know anything about the rule of Rosh Chodesh. I never learned that. However, he says, I did learn something else analogous. We learn in the Mishnah, in the Mishnah, which talks about what are the readings during the Ma'amadot, we learn in the Mishnah, on day one, we read Breshit and Vihirakia, means day one and day two of Genesis. On day two, we read two and three, et cetera, et cetera. Vitaneyala, and when we discussed that Mishnah, we talked about how we divide up the aliyahs. Breshit, paragraph one, is divided into two aliyahs. And Yehirakia, day two, is a third aliyah, okay? So day one is broken up into two aliyahs, and day two is the third aliyah, okay? But there's a problem with that, and we discussed it. it this is discussed elsewhere in the Talmud. Rava is saying, I learned it, but this discussion takes pl- place elsewhere in the Talmud. Okay, we said in the Talmud... Day two, Yehirakia, let there be a firmament, was read by one reader because that consists of three verses. But Breshit, the first paragraph, consists of five <laughs> verses. How are we going to divide it into two aliyot? Because we learned in our Mishnah, right, that one who reads the Torah can only read a minimum of three verses. How do you divide five into two if the minimum has to be three? Everyone with me on the question? And everyone understand how it's sort of analogous to ours. Well, you'll see in a moment how it's analogous. The Itamar Allah, in that discussion elsewhere in the Talmud about the Breshit reading, there were there was a machloket or a disagreement. There were two solutions, Rav and Shmuel, Rav and Shmuel, first generation Amoraim in Babylonia. I don't know, 230-ish, something like that, of the common era. Rav said the solution for dividing a paragraph of five verses into two is doleg, which literally means to skip. But skip means you skip back one verse. And that is translated in our English as repeat. Our English repeat here, where my cursor is, is a translation of the word doleg. Those of you who know Hebrew will say doleg does not mean repeat. It really means skip. And that's correct. 
And it really means you skip backwards a verse. That's why the English translated as repeat. Shmuel says, posek, you stop in the middle of a verse. Okay, I will pause now very briefly. The way we do Rosh Chodesh is according to who? Rav or Shmuel? You can shout it out. Rav. Rav. Pretty straightforward. You might also say, stop in the middle of a verse? How could you do that? Which is what the Talmud is going to say in a moment. So we have a machloket, Rav and Shmuel. And the halacha is usually according to Rav, except when it isn't. And this is one of the cases when it is. Rav Amar, now the Talmud does something that it frequently does when there's a machloket. It'll say these two opinions. How come person number one doesn't give the answer of person number two? How come person number two doesn't give the answer of person number one? Rav says you skip back a verse. Why doesn't he say, like Shmuel, just stop in the middle of verse? Answer, this is would kind of be kind of probably your intuitive answer. If we're Moshe Rabbeinu, who wrote down the Torah, he doesn't have a verse ending there. We're going to make a verse ending. We're going to take a pasuk, stop it in the middle, and say that's where the aliyah ends. So we're going to take five psukim, and we're going to have one aliyah be two and a half psukim, but we're going to call it three. And we're going to have the other aliyah be two and a half psukim, but we're going to call it three. What are you talking about? All of that is contained in... uh any verse that Moses did not divide, we may not divide. That's why Rob says you got to skip back a line. Shmuel says you can divide it, but into two. Isn't there a story that Rabbi Hanania Kara, the, the Bible expert, said, I had an argument with Rabbi Hanina the Great. He gave me a hard time because I, he was a teacher. Rob, the first one, Rabbi Hanania Kara, was a teacher, apparently. And there are many times when I was teaching school children and I asked my teacher's permission, could I divide a a verse? And he said, I may do so only when you're teaching school children. School children, they can't learn a whole pasuk if it's a long one. So you're allowed to break the psukim into half, okay? But in other cases, you can't break a pasuk into half, okay? Um, So why was he allowed to do it? Only for school children, because there was no alternative because school children are not capable of learning a whole verse. Okay, if it's a long verse, you got to break it down for them. Okay, so we'd say here too. Shmuel would say, okay, here too. I got to break it in half because I I, got to get enough aliyot. So that's why I'm breaking it in half. Okay, Shmuel, who says you break it in half. Why doesn't he say like Rav, you skip back? It is a gzera or a decree because of people who coming and going. What does this mean? This means if you are in shul, for the first three verses, okay? And you do it according to Rav. We read three verses, we stop, and we leave two verses unread, which is exactly the way we do it today. And then you leave Shul because you got to go to the bathroom. What are you going to think? You're going to think, oh, that's interesting. (laughs) The next Aliyah, they read two verses. I guess that's permitted. That's what you're going to think because you're not actually going to be present for that aliyah, right? Um, And therefore, because it might create a misconception, because there are people who come and go in shul, we want everyone to know that an aliyah has to be at least three psukim. Um, That's why we skip back. That's why, so Shmuel thinks you shouldn't skip back, 
That's why he says it's better to divide. Okay? The person who leaves after the first three psukim isn't going to know or realize that the Torah reader is going to repeat the last pasuk, right? And make an aliyah of three. There will be a misconception cast about what the halacha is. Therefore, it's better to break an aliyah uh, into two. Okay? So, um, and then there's further discussion. So I want to summarize, okay? So um, the question is, how are we going to read the Rosh Chodesh Torah reading, which has four aliyot and has this layout in the Sefer Torah, given the rules of number of verses? Ula asked that question of Ra, uh, Rava. Rava said, you know, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, by the way, it's a, again, it's a great, thoughtful rabbinic answer. I don't know the answer to that one. But, you know, there's an analogous situation in the Ma'amadot on Sunday. We learn in the Mishnah that you're supposed to read day one and day two of Breshit. Day one is five and day two is three. And we had a discussion there in the Talmud about that. Right? I do know that because we had a discussion about it. We had a discussion. We said, how do we do it? And we said that there's a machloket or disagreement between Rav and Shmuel. Rav says you skip back a verse, meaning to make that specific, in Breshi on Sunday, the first aliyah is verse one, two, and three. And the second aliyah is verse three, four, and five, just to make it crystal clear. You skip back and you repeat verse three. Uh, so that's how you have two aliyot. There's a machloket between Rav and Shmuel. We also had about why each one doesn't hold the other. And and I skipped it later on. It says, halacha kerav, the laws according to Rav, that we skip back rather than dividing. So Rava, by the way, who is third generation of Babylonian Amoraim, let's say he's roughly, I don't know, 70 years after Rav and Shmuel-ish, okay, 300-ish, early 300s, Rava was asked the question about the Mishnah from a hundred and some odd years before. By the way, that raises the question from the Mishnah's time until Rava's time, which is about a hundred years, what do they actually read on Rosh Chodesh? How do they read? I don't know the answer to that, okay? So Ula asked Rava, so what are we supposed to read on Rosh Chodesh? Rava says, I don't know the law about that. I never learned it. There's an analogous situation, and that's the Ma- Sunday of the Ma'amadot. And we do have a Talmudic discussion about that. And in that Talmudic discussion, there's a machloket or disagreement between Rav and Shmuel. Rav says you skip back a verse. Shmuel says you divide the third verse right in the middle. Okay. And we had a discussion about why each one doesn't go like the other one. In the end, we decided like Rav. So by an analogy for Rosh Chodesh, we should do it the same way, like Rav, which is to skip back a verse rather than to divide a verse into two, which is what Shmuel would have us do. Shmuel would have us divide it into two because you might hear the first three psukim, you might leave shul and think that the next aliyah is only going to be two psukim, and then you would be misled about what the halacha is, okay? But in the end, the halacha is not according to Shmuel, it is according to Rav, and that is why we skip back on Rosh Chodesh, and that is why we have this peculiar Torah reading, and if you were ever wondering why, the answer is because of the discussion in Tractate Megillah 21b and 22a. That's why we do it. I will pause briefly 
for questions or comments or thoughts. Just unmute, wave your hand. Avi? Yeah. It's completely coincidental because you had started your talk and uh, Marshall wasn't listening. Marshall Lane today. Um, and Marshall came over to me and while you were beginning and said, I want to, I want to show you something. So he handed me the sheets that he uses to practice laying Torah. Yeah. And he says, you know why I stopped before the second Aliyah today? Cause I've, I don't know if you were there, but he actually paused for quite a while. Yeah. He says, because I saw this note in the sheet that said that this verse is repeated. And he said, and this is Marshall, who is laying this, this, this uh, uh, Rosh Chodesh many times. He said, I never knew that. Because in the Siddur, it simply repeats the verse. Right. Meaning in the Siddur, it makes it look, I mean, the Siddur, which is done for our convenience as readers, it makes it look like the verse is kind of written twice. But in the Torah, the verse is not written twice. It's written once. And the laner needs to know to go back and repeat it. And this is sort of anyone who's a rookie laner who learns Rosh Chodesh Tov reading, we always train them in that. And they're always a little, you know, I mean, the reason they're confused, we don't do Ma'amadot anymore. So I can't think of any other situation where we go back and read a Pasuk again. By the way, in theory, there could be a situation, sometimes laners make a mistake in where they end in Aliyah and the person jumps in with a bracha, and then what do you do? You know, you have to have a nimble gabai who knows the rules and knows what to do. So in theory, there could be other situations that could arise spontaneously, situationally, where you would, where the gabai would say, just go back and repeat that verse. Like, or, you know, like, or it happens sometimes when the laner goes too far and they read one verse too much or something like that. If there's enough verses left, then the next laner should really start from where they stop. If there aren't, they have to kind of go back a verse. So there are times when ad hoc you would do it. I'm not sure there are any other times where ab initio in our laning cycle, that's when you do it. So that's when we do it on Rosh Chodesh, and now you know why. Other questions, comments? Barrett says a good Chodesh to all. I'll say a good Chodesh to all, but I'll give you a minute or two. I don't know. It's not really a not really a class that invites lots of questions or comments, but it's just... Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. It's a discussion in the Talmud. Uh, Rava doesn't know the answer. He reasons by analogy from another discussion in the Talmud, which is an analogous situation, which is interesting because it's analogous, but it's lost to us because we don't do ma'amadot anymore, right? We don't gather together and do those bray sheet readings. We don't have that system anymore. Um, uh, but it was known to, by the way, did they practice it in Rava's time? I have no idea. And Rava lived in Babylonia anyway, so it wouldn't pertain to him. Rava doesn't say, this is what I've seen them do. Rava says, I know another passage from elsewhere in the Talmud about an analogous situation in terms of number of verses where there's a, an argument about it, and this is the solution. So by inference, this is the solution that must apply, and that is how we read our laning on Rosh Chodesh, and that is what we did this morning, and we'll do again, in, again, God willing, tomorrow morning on the first day of Adar Aleph. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. 
If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.